0: Hello, this is Julie Jones with Remax Metro.
1: And this is David Vann.
0: Also with Remax Metro.
1: And this is Real Property St. Pete, the podcast.
0: We're excited to extend our second section of how to sell your house in 2023. And in this segment, we're going to talk about the selling and marketing process, what happens when you're on the market, and what you need to do.
1: That sounds good. The first episode was great because we told people how to prepare for their sale in 2023. It's a new market, and everybody's figuring out where to price their house and how to make it look as good as possible to make buyers love it and want to buy it, right?
0: Right, and we talked about that in detail in the first segment, so if you didn't have a chance to listen to that, go back and check that out.
1: Lots of great advice there. Yes. We've been giving that same advice for many, many years. So starting out with set a competitive price. Now, how do we set pricing, Julie?
0: Well, actually, I want to say first, overpricing is usually the number one reason why a home doesn't sell.
1: It's always the reason it doesn't sell. 100%. Because, you know, you could sell any house for $500.
0: (laughs) (laughs) where are those houses? I would
1: like one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Everybody wants a house for $500. So, I mean, the situation is you can always price your house low enough where you can sell it because basically the land is worth something. And if the house is worth a thousand bucks, then it's whatever the land's worth plus a thousand bucks. So we can always find a price to sell your house.
0: Well, I think that's where you need a professional, though, because nobody's going to sell their house for
1: $500. Right, exactly. But my point is, is that there's a valuation, what you get for what you pay, right? Sure. So you just have to find a price that's competitive based on the quality of your home and the location of your home. You know, I'm not a fan of price per square foot on homes because I feel like it doesn't value the land separately from the square footage of your house. It doesn't give you value for a pool. Doesn't talk about garages. It doesn't talk about its location in the neighborhood. It's just price per square foot. That's all based on the size of your home. So how do we figure this out then? Well, basically we do comparables, right? I mean, we start out with, hey, let's look at the comparables and then let's look at the features of your home. So when we go to talk with a seller, that's basically what we do. We know what the neighborhood, is. We make a circle around certain demarcation roads that are important that outline that particular neighborhood where those homes are similar. And then we find the houses that are similar in size built in the same period or of the same condition. Like we don't like to use brand new construction homes to give value to homes that were built in the 1920s or the 1950s.
0: It's just not a good comparison.
1: No, it's not. As we're picking comparables, we try to find houses that are the most similar.
0: And so you say the most similar, meaning what?
1: Like kitchens and baths have been renovated or not renovated. Two-story houses versus one-story houses. Do they have a pool? Does it have one bath, two bath, or three bath? Is the the primary suite have a bath or does it share one with the one in the hall? I mean, there are certain layouts to the homes that make them similar enough to say, okay, this is a comparable house.
0: So, David, we've talked about the things that we're going to do to compare What about in this current market in 2023, the age of those historical sales we're using as a reference? So we found that there's similar property, but what if they were sold nine months ago?
1: Uh, What if they were sold six months ago?
0: Well, that's a good point. Or honestly, the market's continuing to adjust four months ago, starting to get a little long.
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't think you can price higher than those properties.
0: I think that's a mistake people are making in today's market. And so it's a great point that you can't take, which is what was happening in the last few years is you could take prior historical sales, add 10, 20, 30% to that and throw it on the market. I don't think that's possible anymore. And right. we've made that point before we've had that discussion, but sure. I think it's more important now than ever.
1: A hundred percent or hundo hundred <laughs> B. If you six months ago, you put it out there and you were priced too high the market would come to meet you, right? Right. But today, if the market's falling off and you've priced too high, then you're diverging. You're chasing the market. You'll have to lower your price because if you've gone out too high, you're going to have to continue to lower it. And the market's already moved lower during that month and a half while you've been waiting to figure out if you've priced right. The market's gone lower and you're not even near the market to start with. Right.
0: Well, it's funny. I did that recently in a condo building. We actually put the place on the market at the same price as the other units had sold, even though those sales were starting to get old and we were not able to sell for full price. Mm. Interesting uh, adjustment to the market. It's a good example.
1: Great example.
0: The uh, buyer negotiated about 3% off of the price, which is under what the sales from six months to one year ago were for a similar unit. For sure. So once you're on the market. Let's talk about going all out on your showings. Our last podcast on this subject talked about preparing for showings. What do we need to do to go all out for the
1: showings? So I have a client and they're awesome. They turn all the lights on. They turn on the music. They light the candle. They turn the AC down. I go in there. I feel like I'm in a spa situation, (laughs) which is what we're looking for, right? I mean, it's been COVID. People want a refuge. They want a quiet place. And- That's awesome. I mean, they set that place up. I mean, people who come to that showing, to that listing, they love that house. Every time they come in, it smells so good. And it's like, come on in. This place is fantastic.
0: So you're hitting all the senses with those showings.
1: Oh, yeah. And the place is in incredible condition. But then you do that on top of it. And it's just an extraordinary experience.
0: So we talked a lot about outdoor space. And the importance of that outdoor space ranks among the top three buyer priorities. So what do we need to do outside?
1: You got to get the pillows, right? You got to blow the leaves off the place. You got to have the chairs, right? You can light the candle out there, turn on the fan, whatever you want to make it be a a, You know, again, a little enclave of peacefulness in the outdoors for people who have moved to Florida to enjoy the outdoors. Right.
0: Right. It needs to be appealing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you need to clean it up, you know, Do those things that primp up the outdoor space to be a place where people want to spend time. Right. Make people think you actually do entertain there. You actually hang out out there.
0: Pour a glass of wine.
1: Sure. (laughs) People use their emotions to buy properties most of the time.
0: It's one of the things I love about this career is that um, we are a navigator of that. And so certainly hitting people's emotions during the showing is key to success.
1: Right. You don't want to waste one of the precious showings that you get because you didn't take your soap and hair gel and all that stuff off the counter. I mean, the counters need to be cleaned off. And we talked about putting the stuff in the basket, cleaning out the closets and the cabinets. I mean, you want to be able to put your stuff away and make it show ready as quickly as possible so you can have a great showing and it doesn't drive you completely nuts. Right.
0: So that leads us to the next topic. Read the market.
1: Indeed. Indeed. So what happens if you price your house and you put it on the market and you're real excited and you're thinking, man, we're going to get killed with showings.
0: And you have no showings.
1: Crickets. Yeah. What happens then?
0: Don't ignore the signs.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, you can be tough for a couple of weeks, but if you go your first week on the market and you don't get a single showing, that is a big signal. Don't you think?
0: It is. And what's the signal?
1: Lower the price. You know, I mean, that's that's something that's hard to swallow right out of the gate. So, you know, you want to give it another week, see if it may... You know, we always talk about things like, well, it was a holiday, or it was Super Bowl, or what, whatever it is. There's always that excuse of, well, this weekend wasn't good because it was raining. I mean... <laughs> I mean, we could all love to
0: go to this almost every year. I've sold a house on Super Bowl, Christmas, Easter, I Thanksgiving. Know. That's
1: right, we have because people still want to find stuff.
0: They are they have free time then, and they do look. So it's not a really good excuse. No. So I think it is a good question. A lot of people are asking about price reductions. I think in a prior market, price reductions could be seen as a weakness, you know, or an open opportunity. And that was a different market than what we have right now in 2023. So, in let's talk about price changes and the importance of them.
1: Right. And, you know, we, the other thing that brings the price changes is when we do have the showings, but you're not getting any offers. Yes. And those are sort of two different phases of when to do a price reduction.
0: That's a good point.
1: Those so, are the indicators of, Hey, it's time to do a price reduction. We don't have an offer. We've had 10 showings. And no one's even talked about making an offer.
0: Right. Well, I think the feedback on what they're saying is important to guiding you to the right decision. So that's one key. And
1: right. Oh, right. What the feedback is? Right. Yeah. And
0: listening to it. So I have a listing that is adjacent to a busy road, and it's been on the market for six months, and the feedback is consistently, the price is too high for the location.
1: What if that house was only $500? I'm not sure it would sell. <laughs> exactly. There's a price where that house will sell. <laughs> right. People will pay eventually the price for that house at its value. And that will be the value.
0: The point I'm making though is listen to the feedback and use it as a guide for making your price adjustment. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Listen. I keep remembering listen. Listen, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's um that's right. Because you know, there are things you can fix.
0: It's a good point. Because price isn't always the one thing that you have to fix.
1: Right. I mean, it always does fix it, but there are cheaper ways to fix it than lowering the price. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, like a price reduction is never less than $5,000. So if you can fix something in your house for $2,000, should you? Yes. Right. Because you just gave away five grand. You can fix things and you're right. I mean, there's things you can do to improve the house if you listen to the feedback But at the end of the day, I mean, you should fix those things. If there's stuff you can't fix, like a busy road, I mean, there are incurable things that you can't do anything about, right?
0: Well, you've made a good point, though. I was kind of glossing over it and going back and circling us back around. But you have made a good point. If you can identify an objection that can be remedied for less than a major price reduction, I think selling your house in this current market You need to keep your mind open to that and, and consider it, take that advice, take that feedback and put some more money in your pocket. You know, that was the point of what our podcast is about on, on this subject is keeping more money in your pocket. Everybody wants to save more money.
1: Right. Right. And so, you know, when you do a price reduction, how much do you reduce the price?
0: I think it depends. Okay. A lot of factors. Go ahead. Well, it depends on. How much you overpriced your house from the beginning.
1: Right. Indeed.
0: When you put your property on the market, it's on the market for a period of time, you need to stay current with what the other properties are doing.
1: That means doing the comps again. Right. Seeing what's changed.
0: Right. Looking at your new competition that's come on the market since you were listed, looking at the houses that were on the market. When you put yours on the market and see how they've adjusted their prices, all of those things are important. Staying current.
1: Yeah. And and looking at what people bought during that period. Even if your comparables may not be in a particular area, but you know there's other similar neighborhoods that are around where where a, a $600,000 house went under contract.
0: So in other words, taking your parameters and expanding them a bit to see what people are buying.
1: Right, because you know one of the good ways to do comparables is to see what a buyer bought for 600,000. So expanding your search. Right, and just looking what the buyer chooses you know and and i think that you know when you talk about sort of the process of reducing price you know there's price points right i mean like if you're 575 to 585 and then you go below 550 you may capture a new set of buyers
0: it's a good point yes there will be a new pool of buyers
1: yeah so Moving to that next price point makes a big difference. I mean, you can do a ten thousand reduction, and I mean, so you know, if you're at five sixty five and you lower to five fifty five, then you've like not really moved into the next price point, point.
0: and you may miss some people.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you always got to keep that in mind. If you're a seller, you need to talk to your agent every week to two weeks to say we got to be responsive to what we're learning. Yes, and that's a that's a big key. So somebody's got to make some movement.
0: So let's recap.
1: Okay, let's do.
0: The first step is setting a competitive price.
1: Yep. And that takes some homework.
0: Go all out on your showings.
1: Right. Make it beautiful. You want to evoke that emotion.
0: And read the market. Don't be afraid to make a price adjustment if you're not getting the offers and the showings.
1: That's a fact. I mean, the market is dynamic right now. Unfortunately, probably the wrong direction. But you want to respond and be a part of where the market's happening.
0: So I think that's a good recap for what we're talking about today. And we hope you'll listen in to our last segment of how to sell your house in 2023. We're going to be talking about how you get to closing. Once you get an offer on your home, how do you survive the sale?
1: Yeah, that's the part where your realtor really goes to work, right?
0: Sure, we have a lot to say about that. That's going to be an exciting one.
1: (laughs) That's where the hard work is and um, where good realtors make things get to the closing table. And it's where uh, buyers and sellers have to cooperate.
0: Well, we hope you'll listen in to that third segment. We've enjoyed being with you today. Hope you learned something new.
1: Thanks for listening to Real Property St. Pete, the podcast. Hey, and one more thing. If you enjoy our podcast and you have a friend who can benefit or learn from what we're telling you, please share it with them. We're trying to grow our audience and we want everyone to experience the great information that we're sharing with you today.